Well, good morning, friends. Good to be with everybody this morning. Uh, Beck and I and our three girls are uh, so excited to be with you all this weekend and get to preach this morning for you. Uh, Beck is in the back with Tori, our five-month-old, our uh, unexpected little blessing. Uh, we have a, a 10-year-old, Bailey, and a 7-year-old, Cassia. So I have uh, three girls and a wife, but I do have a male dog. So there is a little bit, little bit of male companionship there, but looking for friends. Guys, come find me, please. Uh, I need some help there. But we are, we're so honored to be here, uh, honored to share some of our story with you, honored to see firsthand what God is up to in this place. Jason, when you told me you guys were going to get a new building, I had no idea this was going to be it. Wow, Montgomery, you guys have gone big. It's amazing, amazing. But we, are, uh, we really are humble and honored. And just praying through uh, what it looks like to come back home to Albuquerque. It's been almost 15 years since we've been here doing ministry. But uh, when you have kids and when you lose loved ones and when you see your parents getting older, there's something about being closer to all of that. And also feeling called to do ministry in a town that we love town that's maybe fallen on some hard times and needs the hope and the healing of Christ. And so we're just praying with you guys as to what that looks like and what that means, but excited that we are taking this step in the journey. I have to ask, though, since we are living outside of the Bay Area right now, any Niners fans? Anybody pulling for the Niners today? Okay. The four of us. Okay. We will, we will go. Uh, Chiefs fans? I saw some Chiefs paraphernalia over there. Okay. So we've got some Chiefs. Anybody just looking for some good commercials? Okay. All right. Everybody else falls in that category. Perfect. Well, as we jump into this series, as I continue in this series of Man of Mystery, I want to ask you a question uh, to start our time in the Word. I want you to think back with me for a second to the last time where you were truly astonished or amazed by something. Think back to the last time you were truly astonished or amazed. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about the last time that you sent a thumbs up emoji to a friend or the last time you sent this guy, right, in a text. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the last time your jaw just hit the floor. Or the last time words or gifs or emojis just didn't do anything justice. Last time you were speechless. Last time you could hardly describe what you saw. Anybody have anything like that happen to them recently? Uh, for me, a few weeks ago, a friend introduced me to a soccer team, uh, amputee soccer team, in fact, uh, Sierra Leone's Amputee uh, Professional Soccer Club. All of these men have lost limbs in the Civil War and injustice taking place in that, in that town, in that country. And uh, these guys have all lost limbs, some of them multiple limbs, but they now play professional soccer. And if you go on YouTube and watch videos of these guys, they are incredible athletes. I was so amazed and astonished by what I saw. For others of you, maybe it's something out in nature. A few months ago, we went up to Lake Tahoe. Not sure if you've ever been up there, but I love the mountains. Grew up in the East Mountains, but I also love the ocean or the water, being at Pepperdine for so many years, and God said, oh, you love those things? Let's put them together, Lake Tahoe. Bam. Uh, it's a picture I took on the shore. It is as beautiful, if not more, than, than I can even describe to you. I was amazed. I was astonished in that place. Or maybe you were blown away recently by something simple, yet something profound, like when you introduced your newest little one to her older two sisters, the moment they, they met for the very first time. Right? A thumbs-up emoji just doesn't do that justice. I was amazed. I was astonished at what happened there. Now, I bring all of this up because it's only when you are in that mindset, it's only when you're in that space of remembering what it feels like to be amazed, to be astonished by something, it's only then that you will appreciate what is happening in Mark chapter 1. We need to get our heads in that space and, and our emotions kind of in that space because 
That's what's happening in Mark chapter 1. If you have a Bible, open it there. If not, I'm going to have it on the screen. I'm reading from something called the Passion Translation. So hang with me. It's just a little bit different, but it really points out some keywords. It says this, Mark 1, 21 and following. Then Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and he immediately started teaching on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. The people were awestruck and overwhelmed by his teaching because he taught in a way that demonstrated God's authority, which was quite unlike the religious scholars. Suddenly, during the meeting, a demon-possessed man screamed out, Hey, leave us alone! Jesus the victorious, I know who you are. You're God's holy one, and you've come to destroy us. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Silence, you are bound. Come out of him. The man's body shook violently in spasms, and the demon hurled to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek. The crowd was awestruck, unable to stop saying amongst themselves, what is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word, he commands demons to come out, and they obey him. So the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout every community in the region of Galilee. Now, the way you and I feel when we watch this amputee soccer club play sports, or the way we feel when we stand on the shore of Lake Tahoe, or the way we feel when we watch a, a little girl be introduced to her big sisters, a new little baby, right? The way we feel in those moments, awestruck, amazed, astonished, that's how the people felt in Mark chapter 1. In this text, it says they were astonished, and amazed. It says it multiple times, and it all had to do with Christ's authority. I want you to think about that word for a second. It, it's a familiar word to us, but we don't use it that often, right? It's not, it's not real commonplace in our language today. It does pop up every now and again, right? Some of us refer to the police as the authorities. If you have, if you have trouble with somebody, have you spoken to the authorities about that? Uh, maybe at a wedding, you have heard someone like myself say, by the power or authority vested in me, you may now kiss your bride, right? I'm a big sports buff, so on SportsCenter every now and again, the sportscaster will say, LeBron is going to throw this dunk down with authority. Right? So we, we have heard the word. And in all of those contexts, and every time we do hear that word, it, it's meant to de depict power, right? And command. The word means dominance and and. and and authority. I mean, that's really what it is. It's, it means someone or something has this unmatched influence, this unmatched, unparalleled, unequaled impact in a certain situation. The word authority is not a synonym for weak or lacking or boring or ho-hum. It's just the opposite. The word is meant to communicate that unparalleled power and permission and poise is present right now in this moment that's exactly what's happening in mark chapter one because jesus is present in this moment now the book of mark as you continue to read through it it, it honestly reads and feels like a, a highlight reel and then jesus did this and then jesus did this and immediately after that jesus did this i mean it's so exciting and it starts right here in chapter one we don't know much about this man but suddenly when he comes on the scene wow nothing like this has ever happened before and here in mark one in this particular text we realize that Christ's authority, this power that he has, this permission that he has, this poise that he has, it's so different than anything this world has ever seen before. I want to point out two things and talk about them with you this morning. 
They're amazed by Christ's authority. The crowds are because his authority was unlike that of the religious scholars and it undermined the work of Satan. Let's talk about the first. Christ's authority was unlike that of the religious scholars. I want you to look back at Mark 1.22. It says, The people were awestruck and overwhelmed by Christ's teaching because he taught in a way that demonstrated God's authority, which was quite unlike the religious scholars of the day. Now, as a minister, or someone who some might call a religious professional, although I'm a seven on the Enneagram, I don't think you should call a seven a professional anything. Okay, maybe a professional jokester. But, but as, as a paid professional in religion, I read this text, and it's very convicting. Right, it's saying that the religious professionals of the day, the pastors, the preachers, the PhDs of the day, they weren't having much impact at all, if any. Their words were hollow and empty. They were, they were talking a lot. They were speaking a lot about God, but nobody was really listening. Reminds me of Charlie Brown's mom, right, in the old cartoon. Wah, 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 wah. That's what the crowds were hearing when the preachers were preaching in that day. I'm not sure what it was. I'm not sure if it was religious jargon. I'm not sure if it was insider information. I'm not sure if there was a judgmental spirit. I'm not sure if they were bad communicators. I don't know what it is, but for one reason or another, they were putting people asleep instead of amazing them with God's word. And that's convicting to us, is that there are ways to communicate the word of God that sometimes put people asleep. And we have to be honest about that. Sometimes our, our methodology is just not working. But other times it leaves them awestruck. And see, this was all happening in the day of Jesus. The words of the professionals didn't have much clout, didn't have much conviction, therefore it wasn't revolt, uh, resulting in much change. See, here's how the situation was kind of unfolding in that day. A lot of people were talking. And they didn't have social media, they didn't have vlogs, they didn't have you know, all these ways to post their thoughts on God, but they were still talking. If you went out into the public square, if you went to the temple courts, people were talking, talking, talking. They would stand on little podiums like this, and they would, they would attract a crowd. They would say, I've got all these thoughts about God, I want you to tell you about all these things that the law says. Nobody was listening. It just wasn't sinking in. There wasn't any authority behind the words. It was just white noise. Anybody else have a little white noise machine they can write a little in their room? Sleep better? You don't pay attention to it. It just is there. That's what's happened with all of the religious professors and, and preachers and experts at that time. And then, then Jesus shows up. And the things that he said about God, they were so different. And they were so much better. Everybody else was so boring, so, so bland, so predictable, so, so judgmental. Everybody else was just regurgitating other things they had heard from rabbis or teachers. It was the same old stuff, but then Jesus showed up on the scene. And what he had to say was so fresh and so new and so invigorating. Right? He wasn't simply teaching things about God. He was teaching as if he knew God. He was teaching as if he was God. He wasn't just speaking to the callousness of our heart. More importantly, he was giving us insight into God's heart. He wasn't just pushing people away with his words. He was drawing them in. It's as if this Jesus guy knew things about God that nobody else knew. And he was saying things about God in this moment that nobody else had ever said. Unlike everybody else, Jesus didn't just teach truth. He was like LeBron James. He dunked truth with authority. 
don't know if you've ever been dunked on in basketball. It doesn't feel good. Ever been dunked on by a 6'6 black man who weighs 250 pounds, who stands over you? Like, that's with authority. That's how Jesus taught truth. It wasn't just, hey, I hope that you hear this. I've got something to, to say to you. I want, I want to share some truth with you. He taught with authority. There was something significantly different about it. The text also tells us that in addition to his authority being unlike that of the religious leaders, Christ's authority also undermined satanic rule. Look back at verses 23 through 26. Truth be told, it says that suddenly during the, uh, the meeting, a demon-possessed man screamed out, Hey, leave us alone, he says. Jesus the victorious, I know who you are. You're God's holy one. You've come to destroy us. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Silence, you are bound, and you need to come out of him. The man's body shook violently in spasms. The demon was hurled to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek. You know, I'm not an expert when it comes to fist fights. Okay? I'm going to be honest with you. I've actually never even been in a fist fight. All right? I have the spiritual gift of gab, which means I can talk my way out of really bad situations. Because <laughs> many a man has wanted to punch me in the face. I can guarantee you that. But I've been able to get my way out of it, right? Weasel my way out of it with my words. So I'm not an expert when it comes to fighting, but I do know, do know this. There's a lot of ways to start a fight, right? You could blast somebody on social media. You could just go up and cold cock them in the face if you wanted to. You could be the first one to drop a bomb or fire a shot. There's a lot of ways to start a war or to start a fight. And we need to add to that list casting out demons. Because starting a fight is exactly what Jesus is doing in this moment. He's picking a fight with Satan. Now, we don't have all, all this time to go into the detail of this text and all the backstory here, but I just want to say this. Before Jesus stepped on the scene, Satan is more or less having his way when it comes to hurting people. He can do whatever he wants to whomever he wants. He's more or less the undisputed, undefeated, heavyweight champion of pain and suffering. And no one in the first century could do anything about it. Everyone was powerless to stop this decay, to stop this destruction that Satan is bringing about in the world. But then all of that changes when this guy shows up on the scene, when Jesus comes into the picture. Now, if you like upsets, there has never been a greater upset in the world's eyes than in this moment. Right? Joseph's boy, the carpenter, who just lives down off Constitution on the corner there, yeah, his, his son, he just cast out a demon. He just beat up the devil. You know him, Jesus. Yeah, little Jesus. He is undermining the work of the enemy. The rumor gets out, maybe, maybe somebody's here who can finally help. Maybe somebody's here who's finally strong enough to undermine the work that has been done to us for centuries and centuries, right? That's why this exorcism is so important. That's why I think Mark includes it. So Jesus comes on and he's teaching things with great authority. His words are having this great impact. But Jesus doesn't just talk the talk. Suddenly this situation comes in and what happens? He walks the walk. I have authority, Jesus says, when it comes to truth. But I also have authority when it comes to anything and everything that's happening in this world. I love that this is all happening in this moment. Folks who had suffered for years and years and years. Right, read through the scripture and you will see these, these uh, depictions and descriptions. She had suffered for 12 years. This person had been in this condition for, since they were young, for as long as they can remember. They tell us it was hopeless. 
This has been the case for so long. Nobody could stop it. Doctors, professionals, religious leaders. But then Jesus comes in, and he stops it, and he helps. Don't you love that? He has authority. So Mark 1, along with the rest of the scripture, teaches us this about Jesus and his authority. He has the power and authority to teach whatever he wanted. Jesus has the power and authority to heal whomever he wanted. And Jesus has the power and authority to cast out evil spirits whenever he wanted. This is the epitome and definition of authority. Are you with me? Permission, power, poise. Unlike everybody else, undermining all that's been happening in the world in the evil realms. This is Jesus. And this is why the people were amazed, because this is who is in their midst. But here's my challenge to you, church. Are we amazed by that? Are we equally amazed by this Jesus who is standing in our midst, who is the same Jesus in this text? Are we amazed by him? I want you to ask, honestly ask yourself that question. I asked you before, when was the last time you were astonished or amazed by anything? But let me, let me zero in a little bit more now. When was the last time you were astonished or amazed by Christ? When was the last time, truly, when you thought, wow, what? Are, are you serious right now, Jesus? When was the last time he dropped you to your knees? When was the last time something happened in your world where you, were, you couldn't lift your hands high enough? When was the last time you were amazed by this man? Because this text is showing us Jesus doesn't just want you to acknowledge that he exists. Some of us need to take that first step, do we not? Yeah, Jesus, you are real, and you are who you say you are. It's important to acknowledge, but the goal is adoration, not just acknowledgement. Are you with me? The goal is not just to acknowledge, yeah, okay, yeah, Jesus, that's who you are. That's pretty cool. Next. The goal is to adore the man who is all of those things. That's what Jesus wants from us. That's why I think he shuts the demon up. Right? If, if I'm in that moment, I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, Jesus, dude, the best kind of advertising is the free kind. If the demon's going to announce who you are, let him do it. It's good for business. And Jesus is like, mm, quiet. Why? Because Jesus is not interested in hollow professions of truth. He's interested in personal transformation because of truth. You with me? He's not interested in an empty declaration or an empty acknowledgement. You are the Son of God. Yeah, yeah. Big deal. He's interested in that truth changing everything about you. And that's why he tells the demon, I don't want you saying that truth because it's not going to change you. I only want people saying that truth who will be changed by it, who will adore me as a result of it. So I just want you to think, how's your uh, adoration and amazement of God? How's that going? Last month or so, have you been amazed by God in any way? In church, out in the world, have you been awestruck by the Lord? If not, I really am going to challenge you. It's time to spend some more time with him, don't you think? It's time to serve more on his behalf. It's time to step out in faith and do that thing that's been on your heart for years that you've just never had the courage to go do. It's time to, it's time to go do that. It's time to sacrifice some resources to the point of where it hurts. It's time to step out and allow the Lord to amaze you. It's time. It's time to do that. And then after you do those things, 
after you spend some time in his word, because his word is still authoritative, right? I want you to spend some time in his word because those red letters in your Bible still have the power to knock you to your knees. They still have the ability to change your life forever. Like, I'm all for what your friend is posting on social media. I'm all for what your, like, favorite celebrity pastor is saying. Like, cool. But the words of Jesus are so different. They are so much better. And you have to spend time in that word. I want you to know those, those words so well because those words will change you. So spend some time in his word, okay? Spend some time allowing Jesus' authority in the word over truth to change you. And then I want you to take a step further and I want you to ask Jesus to display his authority in your life in the same way he displayed it in Mark chapter one. Are you hard pressed in some way right now? Are you going through something that feels like it's evil? Is it a mental illness? Is it depression? Is it a, a marital thing? Is it financial? What's happening in your life that, that Satan has control over in this moment? Where are you demon-possessed? And then would you ask Jesus to be the same Jesus he was in Mark chapter 1? Would you say, Jesus, would you come and would you show and prove your authority over this moment? Would you come and prove that you have authority over anything I'm going through right now? Would you show that with a word you can cast out and change my circumstance? So I want you to be in his word because he has authority. His words have authority. They're unlike anything else you're going to read ever, anywhere. But then also his ability to change your life is unlike anybody else. Like all, I'm all for going to seek professional help and having counselors and therapists and doctors. I go to all of those. But Jesus is the one who will truly change our circumstance. He will take the evil that has been present for as long as we can remember, and he will remove it. He will eradicate it. He will destroy it. He has authority. He has authority. Notice how on the screen I wrote, he has the power. He has the power. He has the power. Jesus is the same guy that he was long ago. I am not. My hairline and my waistline are very different than they were when I, when I first met Jason. Right, I have changed over the course of time. Many of you have as well. That's what happens to us. Guess what? That doesn't happen to Jesus. He doesn't change over time. The scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same Jesus who had authority in Mark chapter 1 in those situations has authority right now in your situation. I want you to trust that and I want you to believe that. And here's, the, here's my challenge to Montgomery as a church. Whether we're doing ministry with you guys in the future or not, you need to be a church that proclaims as loud as you possibly can how amazing Jesus is. That's what Albuquerque needs. They don't need more wah, 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 wah. Right? They need authority. They need truth that will change them forever. They need the word. They need a church that says Jesus is indescribable. Jesus is astonishing. Jesus is amazing. You've got to get to know this guy. Albuquerque desperately needs a church that is doing that. But it needs, needs a church that's doing something else too, and then I'll, then I'll wrap this up. See, Christ's authority, it's not just designed to leave us astonished, although that's a great place to be. Christ's authority is also designed to propel us into action. There's astonishment, but there's also action. We read here in Mark chapter 1, some words at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I want to read Matthew 28, some words at the end of his ministry. Listen to what he says. Jesus came close to the disciples and he said this, all the authority of the universe 
has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget, I am with you every day to the completion of this age. Jesus tells us that in this passage, not, not only does he have ultimate authority, and I love the way the Passion Translation says it, right? All authority in the universe. That sounds like a good Marvel movie, doesn't it? Long, long, long ago, a man had all the authority of the universe. I mean, it just sounds like a great movie. It's not a movie. This, this is real life. He's saying, I have all the authority, all the power, all the permission, all the poise in the entire universe. And we acknowledge that and we adore him for that. But guess what? We don't stop there. We now are propelled into action because of that. Jesus has all of that and he sends us out with it. I mean, this is an incredible promise. This is an incredible proclamation. We are now called to not simply recognize that Jesus has that authority. We actually get to live in and then live out that authority. You're not as excited about that as I was hoping you would be, right? Snotty little toddlers on the playground, they don't share their stuff, do they? They keep it all to themselves. Jesus is not like that. All authority in the universe, he says, I have. All power, all permission, all poise. And now I'm sending you out with it. That changes everything. Montgomery, you are not called to simply love this community. Anybody can do that. You are called to love them in and through the authority of Christ. You are not called to simply befriend your coworkers and your classmates and your neighbors. Anybody can do that. You are called to befriend them and serve them in and through the authority of Christ. You aren't called to simply bless others or serve others or help them out on occasion or give them some money. Anybody can do that. You're called to change their life for eternity in and through the authority of Christ. Are, are you with me? Are you following that, 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 that way of thinking, that, 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 that idea, right? I know it sounds weird, like I'm going to go out in the authority of Jesus, but the elders were talking about it just this morning. Your, your shepherds were in the word this morning as the sun was rising, trying to become more and more like this Jesus. And I love that about your shepherds. But even in that moment, they were like, man, this is hard to do on our own accord, right? This is so hard. I'm not sure sometimes what to say. I'm not sure if I have the energy or the ability to do it. And we all can be like, no, 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 it's not us. We don't go out in our authority because I really don't have that much. I go out in Christ's authority. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say because Christ is going to say it. I don't worry if I have what it takes because Christ has what it takes. I don't have to worry if I have the answer because Christ is the answer. See how that changes everything? Let me give you an analogy here. I'm not the financial guru of our home. I don't even balance our checkbook. Becca does all of that, okay? I'm like, if it's within a couple hundred dollars at the end of the day, awesome, perfect. She's like, to the penny, right? She's to the penny. So if I'm hired, Jason, don't put me in charge of church finances, okay? But I do know this about finances. It's hard to write a check when you don't know how much money you have in your account, Right? It's hard to go out somewhere and be like, you know what, I feel comfortable making this purchase because I know that I have the means to pull it off. Christian, you have more spiritual resources in your bank account than you can even begin to imagine. You can write the biggest check, spiritually speaking, 
when it comes to loving somebody else, when it comes to serving somebody else, when it comes to doing good, when it comes to going the extra mile, when it comes to sacrificing your things, you can do all of that and not worry that the check is going to bounce. All authority in the universe is behind you. Does that make sense? You can do things in and through Jesus that you couldn't do on your own. The promise in Mark 1 and Matthew 28, they're so clear. Your spiritual bank account is so full. So write some big checks to your neighbors. Not, not, not really, because that might get us all in trouble, right? But I hope you understand what I'm saying. You can engage in difficult conversations. You can go into tough parts of the city. You can challenge people when it comes to really important things. You can do this stuff. Young people, I want to challenge you. You have the authority of Christ with you in your high schools. The high school needs it so badly. They need light and, and life and truth. You have the authority to bring Jesus into even the darkest spaces. So, uh, the next time a middle-aged, balding white guy asks you, when was the last time you were astonished? When was the last time you were amazed by something? If you will choose to live in and out the authority of Jesus, you will have story after story after story to share. You will be lining up to tell me, oh, I gotta tell you about this. Well, there was this one situation where this happened. I want you to live in and out of this authority that we read about in Mark chapter one. We don't know much about Jesus in Mark chapter one, but we do know this. This man has authority. His words have authority. And he can cast out and help in any situation. Does that make sense? I hope it does. All right, let me pray this over you. And we'll continue. Father, you are the most incredible God. There is no God like you in heaven above or earth below. You are kind and gracious and so good. And you are so powerful, God. And we see that in and through your son. When he came to this earth, Lord, he spoke in a way that changed people's lives forever. And I pray that Montgomery Church, every word spoken from this stage, but more importantly from these members, has that same kind of authority. That it is truly listened to. That people hear it and are changed by it. That the words spoken by this congregation convict and bring about radical transformation in this community. Give authority to this church, God, in and through your word. And Lord, I pray that, that we will also cling to Jesus as the authority to help us undermine the works of the enemy. Lord, Satan is having a heyday in marriages, in high schools, in the darkest corners of the community, God. There are so many things that Satan is just wreaking havoc and, and destroying, and we pray against that now in Jesus' name. We ask that your authority would come in and change those situations, and would you use us to do that, God? Would we see where the demons are having their way, and would we come in with your authority and say, no more, no more of that? I just pray, God, that we will adore you because of your authority. But more than that, we will also take action with you because of your authority. I pray your greatest blessing on this church, that they will continue to grow, they will continue to mature, they will continue to love this community in and through your authority. Make it so. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.